Hello everyone and welcome to Are You Freaking Serious? Well today I want you to put your economics caps on because we're going to delve into what I thought was long ago put away, buried, and forgotten about. But most recently the data has been coming out and the word stagflation is once again raising its ugly head. And people are starting to say, are you freaking serious? I'm very serious. But we need to take a look at it from what stagflation is and how it's come about. So you get a good understanding. Yep, this is an economic show. This is a teaching show and a learning show. Now, what precipitated all this? Well, just in the last few days, we've seen the Eurozone come out with their inflation numbers. They were expected to be 4.4%. Unfortunately, they came in at over 5%. That's fairly dramatic. And then when you couple that with the most recent United States ADP employment number, the expectation was 180,000 jobs. But unfortunately, the ADP said we're going to have lost 301,000 jobs. Okay, inflation up, growth down. That is stagflation. We'll get into a further kind of dissertation on the definition in a second. But I want to go back to another time period. I want to go back to the 1970s because that's when that term was brought forth. In the 1970s, or I should say prior to the 1970s, many economists believe that there was a a stable inverse relationship between inflation and unemployment. Now what they thought, what they believed, was that Inflation was okay. It was tolerable because what did it mean? It meant that the economy was growing. People were spending money and unemployment would be at low levels. That was the relationship, inflation and low unemployment. The general belief, as I said, was an increase in the demand for goods drives up prices, which in turn encourages firms to expand and then hire additional employees. Sounds good, doesn't it? And then that creates additional demand throughout the economy. It's like a circle. Look, we got to build and we got to put out more stuff, putting out more stuff. It gets people to buy it. When they buy it, we got to put more stuff out. Now we got to hire more people. Those more people get more money. Those more money buys more goods and on and on and on and on. Okay, that's the thinking. However, in the 1970s, this was a period of stagflation. It was slow growth along with rapidly rising prices. What did that do? Well, it raised the question because the question was, hmm, let's see. We're talking about the relationship of unemployment and inflation, and it's not happening. It is not happening. You see, at that time period, the type of economic thinking, which is still going on today, came out of the 30s. The Depression, when Teddy Roosevelt, or excuse me, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy was his cousin, earlier time period, but when Franklin Roosevelt put together his cadre of uh, advisors who were all academicians, they all espoused the Keynesian thinking. And the Keynesian model is, well, something that they had to rethink because of the slow economic growth that was being, well, being brought forth with higher inflation. Let's just take a look at those Keynesian economics and what that meant. What 
John Maynard Keynes said, and the Keynesian School of Economic Thought says, that the growth in money supply, if you print money, you can increase employment, and that promotes economic growth. Ergo, the more money you promote, the more growth you have, and the more employment you have. Okay, that is what was thought, and that has been thought for a long period of time. Then we got into the 70s, okay? Then we got into the 70s. And all of a sudden, Keynesian economists had to reconsider those ideas because industrialized countries around the globe were entering into a period of inflation but no growth. Or, if any growth, it was extremely slow. Slow economic growth with high rates of inflation. Now, in the 70s, we had several different things that were occurring. We had high oil prices. We had unemployment. We had inflation. And at the same time, we had a recession. In November 1979, the price per barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude surpassed $100. That's in 2019 dollars and peaked at $125 a barrel. That price level would never be exceeded for 28 years. Now, when we take a look at this, unemployment, well, it was high. And we looked at the CPI at that particular point in time. That was the Consumer Price Index. Now, that was core. Remember, they changed the way they measured CPI. They got rid of food and energy. Oh, you don't eat food and you don't drive a car. You don't need energy. So we're simply going to measure the CPI based without food and energy and call it core. It reached an annual average of over 13% by 1980. The real inflation, the real CPI, without, I mean, should say with food and energy, got up over 20%. In addition, unemployment was high, growth was uneven, and the economy was in a recession from December of 1969 to November of 1970, and then again in November of 73 to mid-1975. Now, One of the things, according to the Keynes philosophy, according to the theories that were prevalent at the time, was that inflation should have had an inverse relationship with unemployment. In other words, it should have had a positive relationship on economic growth. The rising oil prices should have contributed to economic growth, according to Keynes and according to his believers at the time. However, rising prices and rising unemployment, well, that was something that was unexpected by the Keynesians. And what they said was, hmm, this is what we call cost-push inflation. This is of high oil prices. It's cost-push inflation. I'm not really sure what that means, but it wasn't what the Keynesians thought was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, comes along a guy by the name of Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman is an economist. He won in 1976 a Nobel Prize for his work in consumption, monetary history, and his demonstration of the complexity of stabilization policy. I can remember in 2003, that was 19 years ago, a speech given by Fed chairman at the time, Ben Bernanke. Remember the guy who said, Real estate prices never went down, and he came to live to regret it in 2008 when we had 
the second biggest bubble since 1999. Okay, so what did he say? He said that Milton Friedman's monetary free framework, and I'm going to quote now, has been so influential that its broad outlines at least has nearly become identical with modern monetary theory. His thinking so permeated modern macroeconomics that the worst pitfall in reading him today is to fail to appreciate the originality and even revolutionary character of his ideas in relation to the dominant views at the time that he formulated them. Now, Friedman did not believe in cost-push inflation. That put him right opposite, uh, totally against all that the Keynesians had to say. You see, he believed that inflation is always and always will be and everywhere is a monetary phenomena. In other words, he believed that prices could not increase without an increase in money supply. And that was then, if prices were going to increase, that would be and give devastating effects of inflation. Now, his philosophy was that to get things under the control in the 70s, that the Federal Reserve should have followed a constrictive monetary policy. In other words, slow down how much money you're printing. And finally, in 1979, when it looked like all war, the world was going to a hell in a handbasket, Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker at the time put this monetary theory into practice. He discarded Keynesianism and he took on the Friedman approach. This drove interest rates to double-digit levels. But what did it do? It reduced inflation, and it sent the economy into a recession. Okay, all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve became an inflation fighter once again. It hadn't been in the, in the 70s. As a matter of fact, people would look at the actions of the Fed based upon Keynesianism and would simply say, Are you freaking serious? You are doing everything that's worse. And so finally, they achieved their credibility. All of a sudden, they got it back. And as they got it back, things started to change. And as we went through the 80s, then what we saw and into the 90s, we sought to see stability, growth, low inflation, and low unemployment. And so... It took 15 years to dig out of that hole that we got in in the 70s as we went through the 80s. I mean, we're talking about 10-year treasuries, folks, peaking in September of 1981 at 15.84%. It took a long time. But once we got on that track, then we were moving in the right direction. And, of course, what happened in the 1990s with the advent of the Internet, the strength of the computer, we started to boom once again. Employment was there, inflation was under control, and interest rates were under control. But, of course, once again, when we hit 1999, it started all over again. And, of course, who came on the scene? The people who were the head of the Federal Reserve, from Alan Greenspan to Ben Bernanke to all the folks later. Okay, We're talking about folks who re-embraced Keynesianism. And once again, we are printing money at a rate that is just unbelievable. 
And as we watch inflation starting to go again, well, as people have said, those that don't study history are doomed to repeat it. And we're looking at inflation as I went and paid $5 a gallon for gasoline just this afternoon. I'm looking and saying, my goodness, are you freaking serious? Here we go again. Till next time, I'm Bill Tatro.